This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. Your local, the everything you need to be unstoppable store. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. The UPS Store locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours may vary. See center for details. Hello, this is Sam Smodix here, and welcome to the 4000 Holes podcast. are listening to the 4000 holes podcast brought to you by the people at brfcs.com and sponsored by the lovely people at the terrace hello and welcome to another edition of the 4000 holes podcast the what now show with me your host roger whiteside joined this week in the studio by ian holly and matt great to have you all along with us same usual features on this week's podcast three sections section one we'll have a look at our november review section two we will have a look at the recently announced rovers fans takeover day of which uh, we're a big part of and section three we'll finish with any other business and a, another little quiz thanks to scott sumner the editor of four thousand holes of which this podcast is named after so great to have you along holly matt and ian let's get straight into it and let's talk about November, the month that has just gone. Very productive month for Rovers. Four games in the championships, three wins, one loss, 11 goals, five conceded, nine points out of a possible 12s. Just for reminders, that was a 3-1 victory for Rovers away at Carroll Road, a narrow 2-1 defeat at home to Preston North End, followed by back-to-back wins, 3-0 victory away at the Bet365 against Stoke City, and the recent freezing encounter the frigid encounter at Ewood Park between Rovers and Blues where Rovers were never in doubt ran out 4-2 winners comfortable in the end I'll come straight to you Holly pick out one of those fixtures for me as a real standout fixture in November I think I'd have to say the Stoke away game that happened on the 25th of November um, it was a brilliant game um, mainly because we got to celebrate three goals and I can't honestly remember the fact, the time that I was at a game that I got to celebrate three goals. Um, I did injure my leg <laughs> on the second goal, I think it was, but it it just felt like the atmosphere was brilliant. Um, it felt like we had 
well, we did have nearly 2,000 fans um, in attendance. Everyone was in really, really full voice. Everyone felt it felt like a really, just a really good, positive performance um, from everyone, really. I think it definitely helped that we got an early goal, obviously with Scott scoring from a corner. Can we just point that out as well? Because I can't remember the last time we scored directly from a corner. It was almost a minute of like, what just happened? But it, it was obviously uh, something that we, we definitely needed. And I fit felt like we had uh, control and a real stranglehold of the game for, uh, for uh, throughout, really. And obviously, we got the late goals uh, afterwards to make it 3-0. But it was, yeah, just a, a brilliant day. Obviously, really disappointing um, and, and upset for Scott that he got injured um, so soon after scoring. And it looked like quite a, a nasty clash of heads. But obviously, luckily, he got up and got his head bandaged, uh, but it was sad to see him go down the tunnel and, and not return. And obviously he's not not returned since. So, Yeah, it's a shame that you, know, you mentioned scores the from the corner and then goes off, what was it, two, three, four minutes later, something like that. And hopefully uh, Scott will, will be back uh, sooner rather than later. Just an interesting one, obviously, I, I wasn't at the match. I don't think Matt and Ian weren't at the Bet365, Bet365, should I say, uh, stadium at the weekend. It wasn't many highlights in that second half when on the edits for um, the sort of various championship uh, YouTube channel yeah. or the Rovers channel. Was it, it was it sort of comfortable? I heard reports that obviously Rovers defended well and, and really were good value for the clean sheet at the end of the game. Yeah, I'd definitely say we deserved the clean sheet. I don't think really Stoke had any real big chances um, that made me even kind of worry. I just don't think there was much. I think, we, like I said, it, we were controlling um, the midfield, which isn't something that I can say very often. Um, but I definitely think there's some real partnerships that are flourishing and starting to come, for, to, come to fruition. Um, and I think for me, we were very good value um, on, on, on Saturday for that 3-0 win. And I, I didn't feel like we really looked like conceding at all. And nice for the fans to be rewarded away at Absolutely. Stoke. Not a happy hunting ground for Rovers over the years. Uh, Matt, I'll come to you next in terms of uh, one of the other fixtures there, Norwich away or Preston at home or last night's game against Birmingham. Uh, which game stands out for you? I think for me, the Norwich game was a bit of a uh, surprise. I was surprised with how well we performed in that game. I think, you know, we control proceedings very well and Norwich are... Although they might not be doing as well as many people would think this year, I still think they're one of the best teams in the league. And they've certainly got some of the best players in the league. And I think we, we, we just went there and it looked comfortable for us and controlling. And I know we conceded, but um, again, I, I think we'll touch on Scott Wharton and how unlucky he is that he got sent off in that game for something that's... Well, I mean, it got rescinded. So that just tells you everything you need to know about that one, really, doesn't it? I think that the lad can't seem to catch a break at the minute. Uh, I think every time I look at him and I think he's getting back to the old Scott Wharton that we all know and love, it's something seems to happen like the red card or the head injury. So I think the Norwich game stands out for me purely because how of how good we were and how impressed I was, given you know we hadn't got the best of results in the last couple of games, uh, the Cup game and the Swansea game in particular. But yeah, I, I think the Norwich game was the pick of the bunch for me. I think we uh, we did sort of briefly touch on it last time, obviously about uh, Chris Sutton calling Leopold Walshed a flapper of a goalkeeper. Do, do you remain convinced or more convinced by him in, in November? He's obviously here to stay, it seems, with Pears uh, taking his time on his recovery. Are you confident with uh, Leo in goal? I think he's definitely growing on a lot of fans. I think especially yesterday he made some 
great saves. You know, we conceded two yesterday in quick concession and he made a couple of very strong saves, important saves that kept us in the game and gave us what we needed to go on and, and win it, really. I think this month I have become a lot more happy with him in net. He does seem to punch a lot, but they don't seem to be bad punches. You know, we don't seem to be getting punished by them. They seem to be getting the distance on them and they're going into the right areas. I think if you look at um, some of the punches and the sort of pushes away he was put, putting in last last month, you know, maybe it was a little bit concerning, I think, to Bader Shields' goal at Chelsea for that. You know, he gave it straight to him. But yeah, I, I am a bit more confident with him uh, going into December, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, we'll talk about Player of the Month in, in a bit, but Leo's form on that barometer of form that is the BRFCS Match Centre, his four performances in November have gone 5.8, 6.1, 6.8, 6.9. So us as fans watching him, it, yeah, that trend is very much in the right direction. So I hope that doesn't curse him. But uh, yeah, it, it does seem to be improving. Very underrated save from Wolfstead in the second half last night. At, I think it was at 3-1, which obviously uh, they did go on to make it 3-2. Holly, uh, you agree with that? Yeah, I think for me, he, he he's growing in confidence in every game, and that probably does reflect in his in his scores. But for me, it feels like he's settling in more and more every game. There are times where I wish, and it's not just um, a Blackburn thing with our keepers. I think it's keepers in general. I wish people would just catch the ball more often instead of punching it away. He's still young. He's still learning. He's still got a long, long time, hopefully, in his career to play and to keep growing. Um, but I think it, I think it was last night where he came out because I think Trav passed it back and it was really short. And his decision-making... And uh, he just he just went. And that, for me, is what we need in a keeper. We need someone who's confident in his abilities and also is has his defences back. Because ultimately, we'll make mistakes. We are we are Blackburn. We are Rovers. So it's going to happen. Um, so for me, I think he's, re- he's really starting to grow on me. But I think it is because he himself is growing in confidence. Yeah, I mean, we touched on this again in the previous podcast uh, with what you just said there, Holly. And would you keep... Wolstead in even when Pears comes back at this stage? Has he done enough to be the number one or is he still sort of a, a 1.5 type goalkeeper? For, for me, I think we keep him in. Um, and I think it's a similar situation to that we allowed Pears to stay in after Kaminsky was fit last year. So he really can't really begrudge his counterpart that because he's had exactly the same situation the previous season. So... I'll just touch briefly on the Preston game, of course, which was a, a very well-attended fixture at Ewood. Uh, great to see plenty of crowd there and a, a really good atmosphere on the Friday night game. Uh, 10th of November, Rovers getting beaten 2-1 by Preston with a, a last-minute goal from Liam Lindsay. And the old adage that we can't seem to beat Preston uh, is sort of surfing its uh, head once again. For me, felt it was a very naive defensive performance that night. I felt Rovers with the better side over the 90 minutes. Obviously, the, the opening goal from Alan Brown is a wonder strike, really, where you can't have any arguments with the goalkeeping. It was, it was a good move and, and Preston do what they did best. Obviously, get back into the game through Smodics and then really at 1-1, five, ten minutes to go, still just wish that Rovers would accept perhaps that, you know what, you can't win every game, but don't lose every game. Probably take the moral victory in, in the local bragging rights. Uh, and of course, they they sort of got stuck into that, uh, sucked into the usual sort of trying to play out from the back again, and and really sort of Chet Evans coming on changed the game in that game, and uh, definitely the word of the the day was naivety, 
as uh, as Ian circles 61% possession for Rovers uh, and that going Ian you must agree with that but a bit of naivety uh, at home against Preston I, th- I thought we were bullied to be perfectly honest I thought we, we it's not very often that we, we we do get bullied but I think Preston it was almost like you know the up, the upper sixth taken on the fourth form so the fourth form would be in a yep. lot of running round and then the you know the upper sixth are there we'll just we'll just push them out of the way uh, the, the stats are extraordinary for that game. There are 22 shots compared to Preston's nine, although only five on target and Preston had four on target. But that 61% possession showed everything. It, but as always, as the adage has it, it's not what you've got, it's what you do with it. And we didn't score goals. And uh, we've got to end November's roundup with uh, the 29th of November's fixtures. Last night's fixture, as we're recording this on, on Thursday evening, uh, Rovers 4, Birmingham 2, at what I can honestly say is the coldest I've ever been at Rovers, maybe even ever at a football match. Uh, if anyone's read my little report on the BRFCS.com forums, I remember getting really cold at Wigan away in the League Cup about 20 years ago, thinking, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be that cold again. And last night was just freezing. One of those where... I didn't even want to get up to go for a coffee. It was that cold. I just wanted to just stay where I was, keep the warmth in my seat. It was freezing, but heartened by a fine performance. Come back to you, Matt, for this one. Or you you were there last night as well. You, you can uh, attest to how cold it was, but uh, the best and worst of Rovers kind of in 45 minutes, that second half. Yeah, I think throughout the game, we, we you know we're creating chances. But uh, as Thomason said in his interview at half time. He said to him, you need to be make the runs in behind more because in the first half, we simply didn't seem to do it. And what do you know? Smodic does it twice and we've got two goals sort of thing. You know, I think, yeah, it, I can agree with you. It was three. It was freezing. Um, but the fan, uh, the players, sorry, definitely gave us something, something to make it worth it. It was a bit worthwhile sitting in the cold to watch that sort of football because I think especially the first two goals and the last one actually were, it's some of the best football I've seen Rovers play in a very, very, very long time. I think Adam Wharton had a really good performance last night and he didn't get much plaudits for it because the attacking players, more attacking players were, you know, on the form that they were on. But yeah, I think it was a really good performance. I think Birmingham did threaten us, don't get me wrong, throughout, especially with the two goals. I think Dembele, you know, he was a nuisance all night long. He seemed to be causing problems, but he was the only player that they had that I thought was causing problems. So maybe if they had, you know, somebody else a bit like him helping him out, you know, it might have been a different story, but... Yeah, I think it was a it was a solid performance, and as Thomason said again in his interview, it was like watching Brazil in their prime at times. Yeah, I mean, we we hear the phrase a game of two halves used, don't we, in football? And usually that means one team dominates one half and another team dominates the other half. Rarely do we see that <laughs> game of two halves being well. No, you might as well not bothered in the first forty-five minutes because all the fun and games is going to start in the second half. That if somebody coming in at half time and seeing nil nil. And then sitting down and watching that 45 minutes will wonder how on earth the first half was goalless because it seemed like every attack threatened. Uh, again, looking at the stats, I seem to be turning into the stats geek, don't I? Birmingham City had 26 shots, which is extraordinary. It's That's troubling for me because it, it does mean that the, the, their players were, were coming through and at will able to take a shot. And I think that, that's something that I'd be amazed if uh, uh, if Thomason wasn't sort of like homing in on that. You know, if The more shots you give away, the more chance, obviously, there is of conceding a goal, as I think our near neighbours are. I would like to point out that only six of them were on target, Ian. Um, most of them probably hit Rose Ed. Um, 26, it was, though. 26 uh, Rose Eds. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I don't feel I don't, it didn't feel like twenty six shots to me when I was watching. Um, obviously, I, I was watching on TV, but it didn't feel. Yes, they were attacking, but it felt like for me the defense was quite comfortable. And if we were forcing them to take shots outside the box, then 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 fine. And it didn't worry me um, as much. What did worry me is obviously conceding two goals for it to become 3-2 and then you have that sinking feeling in your stomach thinking oh we're going to concede again aren't we we're probably going to lose this 4-3 because at this time last year that's probably what we would have done um I think for me that's the biggest improvement that I've seen in this team this year we've held on we've held out when we've needed to we've just got a bit more resilience and a bit more grit to us this season it seems no, absolutely i just want to end this uh, section just particularly talking about last night and how cold it was uh, at one point uh, i was sort of scanning across the field and uh, i saw that one rovers player in the second half had gloves on and do you know who it was it was the Icelandic international, Arna Sigurdsson, who had gloves on. That, that was like summer for Arna Sigurdsson last night. Was he doing got any gloves on? That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Adam Wharton, Blackburn born and bred, was playing in short sleeves and an Icelandic international had gloves on. And I'll say no more on the subject. Ian, we'll come back to you for a quick rundown of the BRFCS.com uh, player of the month for November. We do the honest Yeah, hot please. off the press. We had to delay our recording time so that it was 24 hours after last night's kickoff so that we could get the scores <laughs> in. I did some frantic Excel spreadsheeting. And I can tell you that the player of the month for October, and this will not, sorry, for November, uh, this will not be a massive surprise. It's Sammy Schmodix, who clocked in with an average of 7.88, which is extraordinary across four games. Uh, 8.4, 7.1, 7.3 and 8.7 against Birmingham City is his top score. Uh, I need to go back and just reference this, but that's the highest score of the season so far, but it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. So he came in top dog, uh, followed closely by our new loney darling, of course, James Hill, who was player of the month last month. So uh, he's he's lost his crown to, to to Sammy this time round, but he wasn't he wasn't that far behind. Um, he improved his score on last month. Uh, it was seven point eight oh eight in October. He's gone up to seven point six five, but Sammy has scooted past him, scoring all these goals. And then honourable mentions need to go once again to Sandra Tronstad who clocked in at 7.48 for really very solid performances. And he, I think his basic, simple passing, get the ball, win it back, move it on quickly, he's, he's adding another dimension to that midfield. And I'm so pleased. I know we've mentioned that pre-season friendly at Accrington Stanley before, but I liked him for the moment. I clapped eyes on him. And then when he kept getting taken off or not picked, I begin to doubt you. Know, you begin to doubt your own judgment, don't you? Oh, maybe he's not as good as I thought, but he's really come into his own, so I'm delighted for him. And he only played twice in the month, but he put in two extremely solid performances. That's Hayden Carter. Uh, he recorded an 8 against Stoke and a 7.2 against Birmingham City, according to the uh, viewers and users of the BRFCS Match Centre. So if you'd like to contribute to the Player of the Month vote, then after a game, you've got 24 hours from the from the kickoff time to go into the Match Centre and record your, uh, your, your ratings. And we collate those and we award a Player of the Match for each match. And then at the end of the month, we do what we're doing now, which is just have a look at the trends and all the rest of it. So that's very positive. On the downside, uh, he wears gloves even though he's Icelandic. 
Arnie, since those <laughs> those great performances against Ipswich and QPR, has just seemed to have dropped over the edge of a, an Icelandic cliff. So he needs to come back. He averaged 5.85 uh, in November, which is less than spectacular. So we hope for a recovery from him. And the rest of the side, I think, is pretty you know, solidly in the sixes, which uh, I think is a, is a measure of the results that we've had. So player of the month is Sammy Smoddix. Of course, we've uh, combined November Review and November Play of the Month into Section 1, and uh, I'm keen to get on to one of the big meaty topics of this week's podcast, which is the Fans Takeover Day, which we'll get to momentarily. But just, we cannot not talk about Sammy Smodix's new contract. Uh, Matt, I'll come straight to you for that one in terms of, uh, you've always been a big Smodix fan, and you must be delighted with Sammy putting pen to paper for the next three years. Yeah, I think it, it shows that we are learning from mistakes of the past, hopefully in that we aren't, hopefully anyway, losing our best players for, for nothing, at least. I think I was worried that he was going to sign the new contract and his form was going to sort of fall off because he you know, he was comfortable in his position in the team, in his position at the club. But, I mean, yesterday proved, proved, proved that one wrong straight away. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to see him uh, sign for us. I think, you know, he's top goal scorer in the league, top goal contributions in the league. He's arguably the best player in the league, the most informed player in the league, definitely. And I think it's it's nailed on for him to get the league player of the month this season, uh, this month, sorry. So, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted. I think every Rovers fan fan will be. Hopefully you're foreshadowing, Matt, at the end of the season that, that Sam will have the player of the uh, of the season award. I think he's just smashed it at the minute. Um, and what I would like to say, and I'll, it'll be really, really quick, is that I think the moustache needs to stay. Because since the start of the month, when him and a few of the other players have started Movember, that's when the form has really gone um, gone upwards. So, yeah, for me, the stash stays. Ian, Sammy, thoughts? Stash? Good? Bad? Well, I'm, I'm just going to finish this conversation, of course. On the panel tonight is not... James Marsh, who is, of course, Sammy Schmodix's greatest fan. So this is for you, James. This is for you. In your absence, uh, you're unavailable for selection tonight. We have talked about Sammy Schmodix, so I hope you're happy. There you go. We'll be back with more on Rovers Fans Takeover Day after this. I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose. This break is brought to you by Adobe Photoshop. Here's a fun fact. Every day, millions of people around the world use Photoshop to create all kinds of cool stuff. Designs for t-shirts and posters, graphics to promote brands and businesses, images for social and websites. Anyone can do it. And to the guy who put a bulldog's head on a parakeet's body, you, sir, are a genius. Get started for free today. Click or tap the banner to head over to Photoshop.com. Welcome back to section two of the 4,000 Halls podcast, the What Now show with myself, Roger, Ian, Holly, and Matt join me on this week's episode. I'm going to come straight over to Ian with some very exciting news about 4,000 Halls uh, BRFCS or 4,000 Halls slash BRFCS, uh, their involvement in the Rovers Fans Takeover Day, which is when Rovers 
play Watford. That's Saturday, the 23rd of December at Ewood Park. Kickoff 3 p.m. Plenty of exciting details to share. Over to you, Ian. Yeah, this is really great. I mean, for those of you who made it to the Girona game, and a lot more of you did as a result of it being a fan takeover day, the the club were so pleased with the results, they basically sort of said, let's do one of those again, shall we? So let's hand out some praise. Uh, First of all, to Rovers for the ticketing. The last home match before Christmas is traditionally an absolute nightmare to get people in. So I think pragmatism and reality has prevailed, and this is an extremely attractive um, ticketing offer, yeah, it's up there with the pre-season friendly pricing, isn't it? Really, it's a lot cheaper than even non-league and stuff like that. It's it's ten pounds plus a one pound levy to the community trust, so making eleven pounds for an adults. Concessions is five pounds, so that's students and OAPs, and then juniors, i.e., children, is just two pounds. So if you're trying to keep so young children occupied, round them up in the street, buy them tickets and bring them down to Ewood, I think would be would be superb. So it yeah, the club couldn't really have done more. Rovers Trust pleaded the case and the club have listened. So that that's terrific. So I think what we're trying to do is just to engage with as many of, of the people that see our socials, go on the forum, read our website as we possibly can. And yeah, let let's get Ewood buzzing for that fixture because wouldn't it be a terrific Christmas present to get three points and see an absolutely amazing performance with a, with a ground that's uh, that's packed to the rafters. So much like the Girona game, there will be things going on beforehand. Uh, not quite the same as the Girona game, though. Recognise it's probably going to be a lot colder, I think, in December than July. But the, behind the Blackburn end in the fan zone, there is the club has already got lots and lots of initiatives lined up. The cabins will be used um, for the fan takeover, so we will be sharing one with other fan groups. So you'll be able to come down there and see us down there. I'll hold these up to camera because I'll take some stills to, to you. So we'll, we'll be giving out our world-famous 4,000-old stickers. So anybody walks past gets stuck with a sticker there there is always the prospect of some amazing 4000 holes merchandise i'm holding up this wonderful luminous yellow third kit inspired hat so wander down and get one of those we also have some uh, again i'm holding this up to camera on an audio medium but i will put a are still on the Tony Parks 1973-74 retro shirts, which are just fantastic. It's taken me properly back to my childhood seeing one of these and wonderful number 10 on the back as a tribute to Tony. Uh, again, thank you to everyone who's bought one of those already. We've raised £250 for Tony, which is which is fantastic. So there's, there's more of those. I've got um, a handful of those that will be available for sale on the day. And Scott is selling his remaining copies of his Decade Specials fanzines so again if you come down to our cabin we'll be more than happy to uh, depart you from your cash uh, and we, we also hopefully will be taking card payments on the day in a revolutionary move brfcs has in, invested in a sum up machine so who knows we might be able to accept card payments as well if we can get a signal that's a big if so it's it's really exciting we will see uh, rovers trust down there selling membership packages there will be representatives from proud rovers her game two uh, south asian sports i think are going to be there again there'll be lots of Christmas-themed refreshments available. Uh, There'll be a Salvation Army band, there'll be carols, Christmas tree, lights, all of that sort of good stuff. So I urge everyone, I know money is tight, and I know at that time of year particularly, but if you've got um, if you've got the ability and the cash to, to come down, come down to the game. Just one last thing, uh, we are co- collaborat- collaborating even on a Christmas appeal 
So that, at the time of recording this, has raised just shy of £1,500, which is amazing. So again, much like happened at the Girona game, people who can't go or people who have some spare cash sort of say, I'd love to buy some tickets for other people to go. This time we are linking in with Rovers Community Trust, who do some amazing programmes. So they share details of what they do. Um, and they have a database of, of, of children uh, who they're going to offer tickets to. Now, there's a finite number of kids that logistically they'll be able to bring to the game. So I think there were people wondering if we'd raise 1,500 quid, was there the prospect of some poor soul having to usher 750 kids into the into the ground? That won't be the case. So they, they will offer tickets, and as many who accept they will try and cater for on the day. Any surplus funds left over will go to the other amazing initiatives that the the Trust runs. If you want more details on that, can I ask you to go to the brfcs.com forum? There is a specific thread about the Watford game, and in that is details of all the stuff that the Community Trust does. I think I can best sum it up as being, it's, it's a bit like what Marcus Rashford tried to do uh, in as much as kids that don't that get free school meals that might not be having them over the Christmas holidays, they make sure that they're catered for, they buy presents for children that maybe wouldn't necessarily get something at Christmas. I can't think of worthier causes than that, frankly. So if your money doesn't buy a ticket, that's what it goes to. So if you can spare even just a couple of quid, every little helps, as they say, and it will help to brighten up a child's Christmas. So we're doing our bit. Uh, hopefully we'll see a bumper crowd, we'll see three points, and we'll send everyone into Christmas in a happy mood. Excellent. Just uh, my understanding, of course, is that Watford have been given the same prices for their fans, their tickets, so hopefully plenty from... Yeah, league, league regulations mean that they have to do that. So I suppose if there was anybody from Watford thinking that's too far to go at that time of year, hopefully those ticket prices will have a similar impact on them. And also, Ian, just whilst we're still on the subject, you mentioned a podcast that you've just recorded earlier on this evening, in fact, with our friends over at Rovers Chat. Yeah, so, so to publicise that, there was Rovers Chat, Duncan from uh, We Are The Rovers, the, the Rovers Trust, uh, Beth on from her game too, and myself representing 4000 Olds BRFCS. Um, uh, and it's really just a case of trying to get the message out there, really, to as many people as we can, saying, if you're in any doubt whatsoever, you know, this would be really good to come down. It's a great time to, to support support the lads. And, you know, results like last, last night's against Birmingham can, can only help us in that cause. So for more information, of course, visit us on our website, brfcs.com, and you click the link for the forums where you can find all the details on what we're going to be doing with some, hopefully, more announcements to make in the next coming weeks as the game is still uh, three three weeks off, three, four weeks off. And also, you can find the link and make details on where to donate to our Christmas appeal. Anything you can give would be greatly appreciated. We're going to be back in section three with a little quiz and any other business. Four thousand holes in Blackburn, Lancashire. It's from a Beatles song. Give it a listen. Welcome back to section three of this week's 4,000 Holes podcast, the What Now show with myself, Roger, joined in the studio by Ian, Holly, and Matt. And we're just going to have a quick look ahead to December for an absolutely congested, stacked fixture list uh, featuring four away games, three home games, starting this Saturday away at Hillsborough, Rovers against Sheffield Wednesday, and then they're at home to Leeds and Bristol City in quick concession. Leeds, of course, the 12.30 Saturday kickoff, another Tuesday night fixture Midweek fixture under the lights at Ewood against Bristol City on the 12th. 
On the 16th, Rose made the long trip down to Southampton, where Ian and Holly were just saying they're going to be both going to St. Mary's uh, to follow the Rovers away on one of the long trips this season. I think, I think actually the last of the really long trips uh, to do Plymouth and uh, Ipswich and Norwich now. So, so hopefully uh, another successful away day for the Rovers there. The 23rd, of course, we've spoken about Rovers at home against Watford. And then the festive fixtures, 26th of December, Boxing Day, away at the John Smith Stadium playing Huddersfield. And on the 29th of December, Rovers away at Hull. Rovers away at Hull in the Christmas period. Could possibly go wrong. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Ian, Victor Congestion all over the show. Are you excited for December? And uh... I, I suppose a lot a lot of games is good in one respect, in that you know, you've got a chance to recover and bounce back and all the rest of it. And just, just you know, echoing about, we sort of said, the expense of Christmas and all the rest of it. That's, if anybody wants to go to those games is going to be spending a lot of money just on the tickets, never mind uh, transport and all the rest of it. And yeah, Rovers Leeds ticket pricing, I think, has been the subject of some speculation. It now transpires that Leeds actually refused to reciprocate so we were all castigating the club and that apparently wasn't the case according to the fans forum minutes anyhow and i'm sure they're accurate uh, reflecting the conversation from my perspective two away games in yorkshire at christmas and new year is probably a good thing um i'm not sure whether that will suit everybody and as you sort of say there is a precedent for uh, a boxing day fixture at hull as opposed to one on the 29th not going ahead so the, the weather i suppose at that time of year you're always a hostage to fortune it just feels like a lot of football a lot of expense uh, at a time when people don't necessarily have much cash around um but i suppose we'll we'll plow through and we'll we'll watch as many as we can afford that's all we can do yeah holly i just touched on it briefly then are you excited to make the trip down to southampton to see rovers at st mary's i am very much so we've done all the long ones this season uh, and i'm hoping that this one is as much fun as the other ones have been um i'm hoping for a better result at this one as the other ones have been uh plymouth and ipswich in particular but yeah really looking forward to it and just to echo ian's point around the fixture congestion um it seems like we've gone from sort of playing once a week to really recently ramping that up to twice a week again. And it's almost reminiscent of last season um, because that felt like we were playing two games a week pretty much all the way through. Um, but yeah, obviously it's it's not it's not our season and it's not Christmas period if when we don't play Hull or Huddersfield um, at some point um, over the over the the period. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's a packed fixed schedule. Of course, two other things just to note or dates for the diary on sun, Saturday, Sunday, I think it is. I was looking before the Rovers will be involved in into the new year. Hopefully another epic cup run coming on the back of that. Uh, the Euro 2024 draw is also taking place this coming Saturday. So something to uh, look ahead for into next summer. Matt, I want to come to you, but of course you've just told us that you've got a little quiz too. So perhaps we will come to you to end on that and uh, start Section 3's quiz frivolity with uh, Mr Ian Herbert and a quiz from Scott Sunder. This is inspired by Scott. Uh, and, and I said, well, why don't you come onto the podcast and ask the question yourself? And he said, I'm busy, which is a terrible, terrible excuse. So he gave me the idea and left me to do the admin, shall we say. Good leadership. So uh, this, yeah, absolutely, good delegation. So this one is called Ewood Parking. So the idea is, much, much, as, much as we did with the, the mayors, I'm going to read out four streets nearby near to Ewood Park, three of which are genuine and one of which I've made up. So depending on where you park, 
you've got to tell me whether or not you've heard of the real ones, and therefore you can find out which one is the fake. So I'm sure it'll all... I've prepared two each for you, two sets each, so we'll see who pays attention when you're parking round Ewood and walking round. So if this is a terrific success, we have to give credit to Scott. If it falls flat on its face... And I don't drive, Ian. (laughs) Yeah, but you walk walk past the ground. Anyhow, I'll go around my Zoom window clockwise. I'll start with you, Roger. So your four street names are Velvet Street, Vincent Street, Garner Drive and Kendall Close. Three of those are genuine streets in the Ewood area where people will park on match day. One of them is made up. Would you like to guess? At yeah, which I'm going to use a little up? bit of logic here and say that Kendall Close and Garner Drive are both on the Fernhurst estate because they're all named after Rovers players. And I'm going to say that Vincent Street is somewhere in Mill Hill because Mill Hill has a lot of names after Christ- uh, saints' names. So I've never heard of Velvet Street in Blackburn. It might, it must be a small street if it is. So I'm going to go Velvet Street. Velvet Street is right next is to it. Is it all right? Oh. It absolutely is, yeah. Uh, and the made-up one is Garner Drive. I was hoping you'd go for Vincent Street, thinking that I'd named it after Vincent Company, you see. That was that was no. the there. So I'm afraid you've, you've deft out there. So I'm going to come to Matt next. Let's see how much attention he pays. Stewart Street, Coyle Street, Finsbury Place, or Eckersley Close? Sorry, Eckersley Close, that should be. So Stewart Street, Coyle Street, Finsbury Place, or Eckersley Close? Which one of those is made up? I have to say my knowledge of um, the roads in Blackburn are a lot worse than what Roger, Roger just demonstrated there. But purely because you've asked it to me, um, and it's my dad's name, I'm going to say that Stuart Street is not the real one. Stuart Street is a real one. Of course, Coyle Street is the one that I threw in there. Expecting you to go, oh my God, there can't be a street named after Owen Coyle, can there? No, there can't. There isn't. That's the one that was made up. So you've deft out as well. Holly, you've got a chance to take an early lead here. Saxton Crescent, England Avenue, Metcalf Close and Keeley Close. I'd say England Avenue, just because it's a guess. I'm not going to lie. That's on the uh, the estate up behind the Fernhurst that's named after after Rovers players, and that's named after Mike England. So the one I made up there is Saxton Crescent, which is uh, former Rovers manager Bobby Saxton, but he hasn't had a Crescent Aww. named after him in that estate, I'm afraid. Right, so one more round each. Let's see if someone can get one right. So back to you, Roger. Taylor Avenue, Edmunds Street, Tiverton Drive, or Plymouth Grove? I've not heard of any of them, I don't think. Um, Plymouth Grove. Correct. That's the one that I made up. There is a, a little estate just off Livesey Branch Road that's uh, where all the street names are named after places in the southwest. All oh, right. Well, Plymouth Grove. Isn't actually, I, I live right near that. There's an Ern Lewin. <laughs> there that's you go. A, yeah, sorry, I should have got you that. You should have got that one. <laughs> right. got that one. Yes, absolutely. Right, Matt, chance for redemption then. You're four, Wagstaff Close, Catterall Street, Newell Avenue or Bailey Close. Um, no, I'm not going to waffle and say there's any logic behind this one. Um, I don't think that Bailey Close is a, is a real road. It is, and it's named after John Bailey, the Rovers fullback of the, the 1970s. The one that is fictitious is Newell Avenue. Somewhat disappointingly, Mike Newell does not have an, annual, uh, an avenue named after him. So, Holly, your chance to tie with Roger and your knowledge of the streets around Ewood. What a great game this is. You're for Atkins Grove... Honiton Avenue, 
Dawlish Close or Brotherston Drive? I'm just going to go with the first one, Atkins Grove. Correct. Disappointingly, Super Atco does not have a grove named after him. Honiton Avenue is on that estate where all the place names are named after places in the south uh, southwest, as is Dawlish Close. And Brotherston Drive, of course, is named after uh, the late, great Noel Brotherston. So thank you, Scott, for that. That's a, a round of Ewood parking. Matt, all I can say is follow that. Well, can I just say, how has Simon Garner not got a street named after him on that estate at the furnace? How, how has that happened? Speak to the council, Roger. Yeah, I will. I'm writing to the head of the council as we speak. <laughs> yeah, so my um, <clears throat> my quiz question is inspired by the international break that we had after the last quiz. Is um, how many of the last Rovers England representatives can you name? I can give you the opportunity to have uh, the last five or the last ten. That is entirely up to you. Oh, I'll have to go for ten, won't we? Players who played for England whilst at Rovers, is that right? Correct, yeah. The last the last okay. ten to do so. Just the, the senior England squad, obviously. Yeah. Shall we start with the easy one? I was going to say David Bentley. That would be correct, yeah. He made six appearances for England. Let's get the easy one out of the way. Alan Shearer. Yeah, he was actually the tenth on the list. Yeah. That's a good one to get because that, that means Shearer's the uh, the end one. So let's say Stephen Warnock, he played for England, didn't he, when he was at Rovers? If, yeah, sorry, yes. The last English representative in 2008 with one cap. Uh, Phil Jones? Didn't play for England while Not at, at Rovers. Rovers. No. Was, it, was he in the under-21? Yeah. yeah. Uh, David Dunn? Uh, yeah. Ooh, one yeah. one yeah, cap yeah. against Portugal off the bench. Graham Lasso? Yeah, 20 caps for England while at Rovers. This is where I think Jason Wilcox played for England once, I think, in a pre- yeah. in a friendly match against Hungary. Did he hit the bar? Uh, it Something was like twice. Twice. Oh, twice. Two caps for England, yeah. And so is he one of them? Yeah. yeah. And Stuart Ripley would be another one. He had a handful of caps, yeah. I think. Uh, just two, actually. Yeah. So I'm making it we've got seven, is that right? I think Tim Sherwood played when he was at Spurs mm. and not at Rovers. Tim Flowers played for England. Tim Flowers is yeah. a good show. Ten caps for England while at Rovers, yeah. So we're missing two who were in that sort of late 90s period. Sutton? Did uh, he just yeah. play for England B? Yes, he now played one game for England in uh, 1997, yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that's nine. So we're missing one, we're is missing that Missing one England player. David Batty? Uh, correct. Yes. That's hey. the last one. Okay, yeah. Very good. Very good. I feel quite pleased with that. That's my. That's my era. That's like vintage nineties <laughs> Rovers players there. Absolutely. It? Yeah. Yeah. So that's when, when I was paying attention. The other able to remember. The other stuff. interesting question of that would be which Rovers player didn't get an England cap that should have got an England cap, particularly of that side well, you mentioned. The, you mentioned Tim Sherwood. You know, captain of a Premier League champions. The best so, uncapped Rovers player. Well, Steve Bruce again. You know, he was famously uncapped yeah. for England, even though he capped in Man United in that nineties period. Yeah, yeah. Who's I think Sherwood Sher- Sher- being capped for England when after he moved to Spurs just shows the big club bias mm-hmm. because he was nowhere near the player he was there as he was in our yeah. title-winning year. Nowhere near whatsoever. Well, um, yeah, maybe a, maybe a question for another pod. Who's the best yeah. Rovers player? Maybe a, not maybe to play a thread. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a thread on the forum. I think Matt Janssen was on the cusp before he yeah. obviously of course. had his, had his of course, accident. Yeah, yeah thinking if, about it, that's that's a really good shout. Food that would take poisoning, some... wasn't it? 
that uh, he was going to play and then he got food poisoning. Was it from his yeah. niece or something like that in his book he says about? Thanks, Matt, for that question. Thanks, Scott, for the question before that as well. Hope you had a little go at home and hope you enjoy a little uh, cheeky quiz at the end of this week's podcast. Just want to draw your attention to a, a recent podcast Ian has done with the aforementioned Simon Garner, which is also on our podcast pages where you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. A uh, very interesting hour-long interview with not only Simon Garner, but Dan Clough, who wrote the, this version of the book, I believe, Ian, and the original right. writer of the book whose name escapes me just briefly. Richard Slater. Richard Slater, of course. Uh, a fine hour-long discussion between the four of them. Uh, I, I remember texting Ian after listening to it saying, Simon Garner is full of great stories, although in sort of modern-day footballing terms, kind of toe-curling at the same time with the amount of drink and uh, smoking that he did during his career, but uh, well worth The word isotonic was not used during the podcast, let's put it that way. Well worth an hour of your time, particularly if you're stuck on the train or uh, maybe you're having to be forced around the Christmas markets by your uh, other half, who knows, but uh, until next time, thanks from myself, from Ian Holly and Matt You've been listening to the 4000 Holes podcast The What Now Show, until next time stay safe, stay warm and hopefully Rovers will have a cracking December. See you then. Bye. Hi, it's Hayden Carter here. This is the 4,000 Holes Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. When Cynthia came to TurboTax, she had just launched her new side gig, a true crime podcast. I'm a first-rate detective with a golden voice. As her TurboTax expert, I made her second income count by guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and her maximum refund. <clears throat> what did she do with that refund? Find out next week. Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. It's the 90th minute. All you mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.